Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Hot Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Hey guys, Kyle Sutherland here, and we have reached episode number 100 of the Hog Talk podcast, where we welcome back Razorback women's basketball head coach, Mike Neighbors. Coach Neighbors is one of the most intelligent minds in all of basketball, having a Final Four and multiple NCAA tournaments to his credit. But did you know that he is also a movie expert and plans to drive a tour bus for country singers once his time in the gym is done? Also, if you did not join our Facebook Live conversation between Jacob, myself, Porter, and Ty, head on over to our Facebook page, Arkansas Hog Talk, as we express our gratitude for you, the fans, and discuss our journey dating back to each of our beginnings here at the HTP. Thank you guys for helping us get to 100, and we look forward to 100 more. We're back on episode number 100 of the Hog Talk podcast. Kyle Sutherland here, and we're happy to be rejoined uh, once again, a former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. And Coach, I know the last time that we had had you on, the country was really beginning to shut down at the end of March. It was actually on your on your birthday. Yeah. And since that time, uh, your daughter has gotten married. You've had a son graduate high school, and you became a dad again to a baby boy. How do you put into words how the past few months have been for you? Uh Drinking water out of a fire hose. I mean, it, it, it takes me back to that first that first couple of weeks as a moving from assistant coach to head coach. But all great things, you know. Uh, high school graduation for one son, the, the marriage of my oldest daughter, and then bringing Bowen into the world. Uh, you know, last six weeks, uh, like I say, it's something new, fast and furious every day. But um, just thankful that that I'm able to be around for it. You know, that's the one thing that's um, pandemic has done. It's, it's given you time, uh, to prioritize and it's, uh, we've had a lot of things to, to make priority and it's been a lot of fun to do that with, uh, family. Well, I want to continue on just kind of talking about, we just, you mentioned some things that are going on with your family, a lot of uh, really some new things that have, that have happened. And we've, the two times that we had had you on before, of course, just like when you're normally on radio shows or podcasts, you talk basketball, seeing as that is your career. But I actually came up, I, I, Matt Calkins from the Seattle times in 2016, when you were at the university of Washington, did an article over you said it was titled inside the wacky world of Mike neighbors (laughs) and talked about your love for movies, your love for country music and, and something that I've actually taken a new interest in analytics. So I was going to kind of touch on some things like that or about in those subjects with you. I'll go ahead and start off. So obviously my, my big passion is is sports, but my guilty pleasure and a lot of our listeners know about this. I'm a big fan of the bachelor, even though it's total trash TV. I I love the bachelor. I love the bachelor. I love bachelor in paradise. So we'll we'll start out with, with your love for movies. And I know that you made a list of a thousand different ones and a few good men was at the top one uh, was correct. at the very top. Yep. So what, you, you like war movies, obviously. What are some others that are your favorite, maybe just in the top five? Well, uh, Hunt for October is number two, uh, but it, it really, the number one, few good men is more of the courtroom drama. I, I, I've always pictured myself as being a wannabe lawyer. I, I love logic. I love, uh, 
trying to, you know, uh, cross-examine and, and find the truth in things. So a few good men goes up there. And then Hunt for October, ironically, has a military twist too. But uh, that's number two. And it, it, it probably has more to do with the time I was being raised. You know, that was when we were right in the middle of the Cold War and us and Russia were staring at each other with nuclear weapons. And uh, Sean Connery, you know, comes out with Hunt for October. So that one stayed number two for me uh, throughout the years. Uh, but yeah, just, uh, started listening to them. I'm up to over 2,500 now that, that IMDB page needs to be updated, but I got a spreadsheet that I keep them on. Every time I see a new movie, I, I plug it in there somewhere and kind of once a year, try to kind of edit it and make it updated, but, uh, nothing's touched a few good men, uh, for a while. Moneyball is the most recent, the Aaron Sorkin, uh, screenplay, uh, or, or I guess not screenplay, but, uh, a movie adaptation of Michael uh, Lewis's book uh, is, you know, is the newest movie to move up into my top 10. It sets at uh, number six. Well, let's, let's talk about maybe something that is a little off the wall. So I, I, I can, like, I consider my dad a man's man, but he is a, he's a huge romantic comedy guy. Like he could watch, he's a, yeah, he, he could watch how to lose a guy in 10 days oh, over and over and over okay. again. So what's one, maybe like a romantic comedy or a drama yeah. that, yeah. that you've enjoyed or I just maybe that, one or two. I get that one a lot. So I can give you a couple here. The highest rated ones, pretty woman. Um, I love it. It, it's in my top for a different list. I, I used to run the Blockbuster Video store here in Fayetteville. I was the general manager of Blockbuster Video in college. Um, and Pretty Woman was the first movie that was released that you could buy. You know, up until then, it, those things cost 90 bucks. Uh, if somebody lost one or on a lost fee, they, we had to charge them 89 bucks. But this one came out. It was the first sell-through at Peace at 19.99. I still remember the the day that it went on sale at our Blockbuster. And, and so I'd watched Pretty Woman a number of times before it was ever released. Uh, and it stands up there for me, the test of time. It, it's full of film clubs, um, you know, places where the film's got, you know, microphones in the background or there's continuity issues with, uh, there's one scene where there's like six or seven film clubs in one scene between Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. So, you know, my list is my list. It, it's not necessarily the best movies of all time, but uh, Pretty Woman's the highest rated rom-com. And then after that, you'd probably have to go American President, uh, another Aaron Sorkin movie. That's um, that's kind of what they made West Wing. You know, West Wing kind of came in off of the American President. But I think my favorite one's Hitch. Um, if you were asking me to watch one probably for the rest of the time, it'd probably have to be Hitch. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Hitch. I haven't seen it in years, but, yeah. but a big fan of that one as well. And I, I also saw that you're a fan of the Rocky series. Now, Rocky Four is also my favorite. That's the yeah. one that I love where he fights the Russian. And mm -hmm. But I, a quick story about Rocky Five. Cool. So so Tommy Morrison, uh, Tommy Gunn in Rocky Five was a real-life heavyweight fighter. If he would have probably lived his life a little bit differently in terms of healthier, there's no telling what he could have done in real life. But his son, Trey, Trey Lippy, which uh, Trey actually took his, his stepdad's name growing up, uh, that stepdad's last name, of course, and uh, he went to UCA with me and was a really, really good football player. At the time, we did not know that this was Tommy Morrison's son, had no clue. Well, now, now Trey, I believe he goes by Trey Lippy Morrison, uh, as it is now. He is a heavyweight fighter. As the last I saw is sixteen and zero, wow, and uh, has done very very well, and probably should have started even earlier. There's no telling where he could be now. 
So what was it that you what what was it that made Rocky Rocky Four out of all five of those that your favorite? Of course, the first two yeah. uh, with Apollo Creed were great. Clubber yeah. Lang in three. Yeah. What was it th- about Rocky Four that stuck out of all those? Kind of the same thing that I talked to you about with Hunt for October. You know, we were just scared of Russians at that point in time because of everything we saw on TV. Red Dawn had come out. I was worried about my school being taken over by paratroopers. You know, from Russia, and we'd seen. The day after, the day after, with nuclear bombs hitting, so we were, you know, because of what we knew from the back then, we didn't have social media, so the news reported that you know we were supposed to hate Russians. So I hated Drago, and when Drago, you know, no spoiler alert here for anybody listening. I think everybody knows Creed dies, um, you know, in the fight. But I just remember that was the first movie I remember jumping up in the theater. And literally cheering, like the whole theater was yelling for Rocky when they were fighting over in Russia. Uh, the fight scene, the training scene up in the the, the mountains of Siberia, uh, I still to this day get a you know get a, a, a jolt of energy anytime I hear that song in the Burning Heart by Survivor uh, from that. So it was a, a combination of I had seen all the other ones. I loved Rocky. I'd have if I went back in order, it'd go four, three, one, two for me. I don't even count five. Five so bad. <laughs> uh, but it's listed, but I have Creed, the new series taken off higher than that one, but, um, partly to do with the cold war, uh, and our, you know, at that point in time that we were at war with Russia, um, and then just the fight scene, I thought they were brilliant. I thought the soundtrack was amazing. Survivor is a very underrated group from the eighties too. That could, we could, yes. we, we could do 45 minutes on survivor, uh, we, on a podcast if we needed to, but that, that's why Rocky four is higher than the others. And it's number 14 in my total list. So it's like, it's up there as one of my top sports movies of all time too. And like I say, I just, I still get goosebumps whenever that fights, the training scene happens. Uh, and then, of course, is, you know, delivers the end of the speech that only Sylvester Stallone can do with if I can change and yous can change, we can all change. You know, I think we need to probably hear the Stallone speech more often. Yeah, especially with, with what is going on. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. No yeah. doubt. And before we hit switch over to some some music. Yeah. What would you say you're out of the top 100 shows? What what was your your overall number one of movies? I mean, uh, of the pretty, of the shows because you also did a top one hundred. I know you did the. TV series? I, oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's a clear cut too. It's never been challenged since I watched it. It's West Wing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I love it for the leadership. I'm not a big polit- I'm not big into politics at all. Uh, very very. It, but the West Wing just grabbed me as the form of a leader. That's how I like our office to work. Uh, just surround yourself with a lot of smart people that disagree with you. Uh, and have the same uh, goals and standards that you're going to set and let, hold yourself accountable for. So West Wing stands the test of time for me, especially the first four seasons. You know, Sorkin, I've had this, I'm getting ready to start this argument sooner than later. Now that Hamilton's getting ready to come out on Disney, it's getting a lot more uh, publicity. And I think a lot more people are going to get exposed to it that uh, couldn't go to see it on Broadway or at a. Uh, it didn't come to their town when it was on the Hamilton. So I, I believe, and I'm not sure who's going to win. It's either Aaron Sorkin or Lin Manuel Miranda. I think are the greatest writers of since I've been alive. Um, I, I would, I could argue either one of them uh, to be the number one over, say, maybe Stephen King or John Grisham or you know whoever else, anybody else wants to throw out in there. But uh, either Lin Manuel Miranda or Aaron Sorkin, I think, are the best writers of all time. So West Wing is up there, really. It's number one, and and hadn't. The Wire challenged it a little bit, 
but still hung on to number two. Breaking Bad jumps up in there at, uh, in the top three for me when it comes TV series time. If Yellowstone continues being good, you know, we're two seasons in on Yellowstone and season three just started last Sunday. So if Yellowstone keeps going, Costner, uh, Costner could keep moving up. Yeah, I'm a big Costner guy. Of course, speaking of sports movies, Costner is one of the greatest actors for those baseball movies that he was in. And I, and I, I don't have Paramount, and I ne- I haven't gotten into Yellowstone yet, but I've got oh, a lot of friends that have told yeah. me that that's definitely a must-watch, so that's on my list. But. It's uh, You can get it on iTunes now. I just figured that. I just learned that a few minutes ago as I was going through organizing my iTunes library a little bit that uh, you can pick up Yellowstone on iTunes now too. So hmm. I'm telling you, if it's you, you will binge watch seasons one through two in a big hurry. It's it's pretty good. <laughs> it's definitely a, a good time to do that yeah. right now. You got it. Uh, and uh, so switching over to to music. Now you're a big country music guy. I have been pretty much my whole life. I spent three years in San Antonio, South Texas, oh, yeah. big time West Texas country area. Yeah. Have you have you ever heard of Cody Jinx? Oh yeah. Yeah, he's my guy, uh, man. That's that's one that I've probably seen at least yeah. about five, six times. He's, okay. he's been to the Red Room a lot, yeah, in uh, in Little Rock. So who? I, I guess he's probably one of your uh, one of your favorites. I would assume he's, he's not in my top ten. I'm I'm a really. You had to la- ask me. I I got Wade Bowen number one. I think I love Bowen. Knows, you know that he kind of uh, inspired my son's name in a, a roundabout way. There's a lot of things that inspired us with his name, but Wade Bowen. He's kind of the guy that got me going on Texas country music. Uh, and then then I'd have to put uh, Josh Abbott up there probably about number two uh, just because of how personable he is. Uh, he Every time he comes to town, he comes up to the gym and lifts weights and works out with us. And he's just a great buddy and friend. Um, you know, Flatland Calvary, another West Tech, they're a Lubbock-based area. Josh is a Lubbock guy. So, um you know, all those guys. I, I like Randy Rogers. I love the tr- tex- uh, Turnpike Troubadours, Casey Donahue, Cody Johnson. And I like Cody Jinks. He's great. He's good. It's just a real – that's a hard list of mine to crack into because I got 10 or so. Aaron Watson's been up at the gym. We opened for Eli Young Band. Uh, William Clark Green had us on stage uh, out here when they played at JJ. So, uh, I look forward to maybe getting to know Cody a little bit better, but I, I do I do appreciate his music and can understand why he's tops on your list. Well, and at the time of that, this article that I've been referring to most of these questions was written in 2016. I believe it also stated that you, once you retire from coaching, might want to actually drive a country tour bus. Is that still yeah. something that you're thinking about? Yeah, you know, I did it. I did it for Josh oh. uh, for a week. Uh, he thought I was halfway kidding. He read that and he said, if you're serious – um, you know, there's, there, we're going to be up there and I'm, we're going to need somebody to drive the bus from Idaho down to Portland. So I was set to do that. And then all of a sudden his bus driver's plans fell through and uh, I didn't get a chance to do it. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be me. I'm telling you when this, uh, you know, when, the, when Bowen gets old enough to, to not need me around, I'll be, uh, I'll be somebody's old guitar tech driving a bus, uh, from town to town, helping them set up and probably selling merch out there in the front in between. Speaking of guitars, so when I was in second grade, I, I got my first shot at trying to play it. And I took lessons and everything, but my mom actually stopped paying for them because I would just screw around with the guitar at home, never really practiced. And as I got older, I started wanting to get more into it. I guess I tried it again about five years ago. What uh, advice would you have for somebody who has extremely fat fingers and has trouble hitting the right keys? You're, you're, I, I wish I had fat fingers. You can cover two notes with one finger. Uh, I'm jealous. 
Um, I tell you, the, the hard thing is sticking through it. Uh, you're going to hit a plateau really quick where your fingers bleed uh, and they hurt. And it's fun because my assistant coach, Chantel, is teaching herself to play right now. And it's fun to kind of follow it through her eyes. But I remember those days when my fingertips on my left hand hurt and I never could get my right hand to cooperate with my left hand. And um, I could never get a song, you know, to where I could play it, to where anybody could recognize it. I'd like go, can y'all hear Tell what song this is, and they'd all kind of look at me like, uh, I can't recognize it. So, But once you get past that first, you know, where your fingers don't hurt, you get a callus built up, um, and, and somebody can recognize just maybe a few licks of a song that you play, uh, it becomes really addictive. There's, I think there's something about being up on a stage that's very similar to athletes. Um, you know, you're in front of a group, uh, you're, you're, you're doing a skill that uh, is fun, a lot of people can enjoy. Uh, I've stuck with it. It gives me a good break. It, and it also teaches me how hard it is to do things that aren't natural to you. So, you know, when I'm trying to coach a, maybe a freshman as to something that we do in our, our program that's not natural to them, I have to use my words and I have to teach and I have to teach again until they learn it. And I haven't taught until they've learned it. So when I when I sit down in front of a YouTube or uh, somebody giving me a lesson that person, they have the knowledge and they know how to do it. So I, I listen to the way that they they teach me to do it. And I think that's a lost art. And I think once I started sitting down in front of a, a, a screen, learning over YouTube, some new chords, some, some new picking patterns, I think it made me a better basketball coach in the long run. So I, Tara Vandiver did that at Stanford. I'd read a book where she taught herself to play piano and she felt like that helped her make her a better teacher. So if you're learning, I say pick it up and, and stay with it. Fight through those bleeding fingers and sore fingertips. Um, the one piece of advice that I think somebody gave me that was very valuable, they told me to, to pick out a song that I wanted to learn to play and just pick one out and just start learning it. And that song for me was Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi. I just thought Richie Sambora was about the coolest guy in the world when he'd come out there and break into those first few notes of Wanted Dead or Alive. So. I plucked around on the guitar from the pawn shop for as long as it, as long as it took to learn the intro for that. Uh, and still to this day, if I pick a guitar up, that's usually how I check it for tuning to see if I can play uh, Wanted Dead or Alive on it. So get you pick you a song you want to learn. Not that hard, by the way. Wanted Dead or Alive is incredibly hard. I, I should have picked an easier song. Uh, learn to play 3 a.m. or Wagon Wheel. Anybody can play Wagon Wheel. That's why every band in the world plays it. Um, it's so easy to play, but pick you out an easy song and, and get to where you can play it and somebody can recognize it. And I think you'll stay with it this time. Well, one last thing before we close it out here, you're, you're a big analytics guy. I, I mentioned that at the, at the beginning. And one of the things that I read from that article, and if I, I if I remember correctly, I, I think I'm saying this right, but you'll have to correct me. So let's just say in terms of analytics, one thing when let's, whenever you're in practice, let's say your girls are playing five on five, just doing a scrimmage. Chelsea's got 20 points, but her team, the, the opposing team, scores two more points and, and wins by two. So that basically gives her technically a negative. I know that this is probably not going to make sense to a lot of people, which is why I'm going to have you explain it. Yeah. But basically that gives her a score of negative two. Is that yep. kind of the basis of what that would be about? It is for me. And, like, it's not a, it's not an algorithm. It's not an – I even have a hard time calling this an analytic. But – to me, as long as we're going to keep score and determine the winner and the loser by who has the most points at the end of the game, the stat I'm, I should be most concerned with is what was the score when you were in the game? 
and the combination of people you were playing with to get to that juncture. So, and, I, and part of this too was because as a player, I wasn't a big time scorer. I, I was kind of a facilitator, and I wish they recorded hockey assists back in the day because I think I would have had a lot of those. Um, but I, I got fascinated as an assistant coach with the fact that as I would watch film, it started to seem to me like many of the times in our games, our best lineup was not made up of our best five players. And the more it started to occur to me, the more I wanted to know if I was right or if I was just – my eyes were tricking me. So we had a really, really good student manager at the time. He's since gone on to make millions doing a lot more important things with his intelligence other than helping me in the film room. But he was noticing what I was doing, and he said, Coach, I think I can write us a program that will we'll find this number out for us without us having to watch all this film. So I said, okay, go for it. And he came back the next day with this algorithm, and sure enough, he was right. So, you know, we started doing this in 2007, uh, long before the word analytics had come out, in our world anyway. I think there were people doing it. It just wasn't as popular of a buzzword. But he he could spit out this report that showed us our, our best, uh, most efficient lineups, and it was never our best five players. So I started really studying that and trying to understand the the reasons why that was. And a lot of times it was just that, you know, if you put your five best scorers out there on the floor, you're, you're probably going to have five people shot hunting. But if you put your best screener and your best passer out there with three people that can really score, um, your your offense becomes a little bit more efficient. And then if they'll lock in and, and maybe those two kids that are also a good passer and a rebounder are also your best on-ball defender and your best rebounder, now you you got a lineup that might be better than your best five players together. So that's a number we study. If I could only have one number, I will tell you, we're, I don't think it's accurate to say we are big in analytics. We are big into that number. Mm-hmm. We are big into the numbers that, that we give a crap about. You know, that's, that's what I say. There's a lot of numbers we could care less about in those analytics. But the ones that we – and that's the one, the score. You know, there's – I've had a lot of people that put up a lot of – a lot of numbers and their teams don't win. You got to find the kids that can produce and their teams win at the same time. And I think that's that's the key to it all. And when you do that, you develop roles for other players. Uh, people stop to care as much about who's scoring and that their lineup is scoring because they know we'll play them. If you if you are part of the five or six best lineups on our team, you should be on the floor the most minutes, and that's what we do, and that's how it works out. So. I think our kids develop a role and an identity and they know what's important uh, and they care about the success of the team rather than individual success. Now with that, there are some kids that do have to score. I mean, that's their role. That's their thing. Uh, Each person contributes and some of it's points, some of it's rebounds, and some of it may not even show up on the normal stat sheet that tends to get talked about at the end of games. I like the way that you put that is it's it's not particularly analytics that you guys focus on because you look like, for instance, uh, Coach Moser from the guy from the guys team. Yeah. He did an entire podcast with Bo, which I know you've been on with Bo and you and Coach Muss, had a, which that actually was maybe the one of my favorite podcasts I ever that listened to. When when you and Coach Muss talked, that was awesome. That and was uh, and, you know, Clay is a big is a really big analytics guy. But then you look at other coaches like, for instance, I remember, which obviously talk about totally different sports, but. 
Bill Belichick said, look, I don't believe in that stuff. If if we block better, if we run the ball better, then we're going to win the game. So I like the way that you kind of balance that out as, well, we're going to use exactly what we think can help us win in terms of putting the the screeners on with a shooter and, and who plays the best role, who fills that role the best. So that's a, that was a really good that was that was much more in depth than I was expecting because I because all I see it as is Matt like I'm not deep enough into it yeah. yet uh, I've I've read I'm not sure if you've read Mathletics by Wayne oh, yeah. L Winston yeah. uh, really good one that's if anybody yeah. is interested in it that's a that's a really good one to start with but uh, I, I would, that's that's pretty much what up. I've seen it as I'd back up I'd back up Kyle I'd tell him to read a book called Basketball on Paper by Dean Oliver Bas- uh, I'm writing that down yeah Basketball on Paper was kind of the Bill James a basketball version of baseball abstract that he did, you know, when he did the, the numbers for baseball. Um, but I, the uh, mathletics is good. It's really good. And a lot of that comes from what Dean Oliver talked about in basketball on paper. But uh, if it's, it's very dense. It's got a lot of math in it, obviously. And I think you can get yourself lost in some of that. But I think what it does, and, and I talk to Clay a lot, and I know at the NBA level, uh, that is what those guys crave. Uh, you know, you hear him talking about his time he spent with Kobe and those guys, they, they crave those things. Um, but I, I think for us in women's basketball, where it is still, you know, we don't have, we don't have the, the life changing money at the end of our rainbow, like they do on the men's side. So there is still an aspect that for the majority of our kids, college is going to be their, the pinnacle of their career. So uh, winning and team play uh, does a lot come into our play a lot more because these guys are still playing for NBA success, and I get that, and I that's why I don't think I'd be very successful ever crossing the hallway over there and helping those guys in any shape, form, or fashion. Uh, so I think it's kind of neat to look at it, and we certainly I study all the numbers, but when it comes down to it, I, I trust the ones that that are important to to our to our success. And that's that lineup efficiency along with a few analytics along the way. But it's a fun study. Stay after it. I'll, I'll be interested to see what you find out. Yeah. Yeah. The next time we, we talk about it, which I'm sure this is this is your third appearance on the show. So hopefully that's here great. down the road, we'll uh, love to have you on again and I'll give you an update on it. Of course. Well, good. Hope you hope you get back to picking on the guitar and uh, get get deep in analytics and uh, go from there. If, you, if you're getting I'm telling you, check out check out Yellowstone. I think you'll be uh, I think you'll be really uh, You'll you'll be addicted pretty fast to that yeah. one. Yeah, it's going to have to be at this time. Whenever, like I was saying, that we have we're still in this pandemic and uh, a little yeah. a little bit more time. So I have less we'll, time. I don't yeah. know about y'all. I, I have less. I have less binge watching time now than before because I'm not on airplanes. I'm not in a hotel away from family. Yeah. Um, you know, there's. Uh, I I have I'm embarrassed when I talk to you know Zach. Arns on, on Ruskin and Zach when I talked to them. I, I put I put Zach on to Ozark and that's my favorite show on Netflix. Okay. Well I put him on to Ozark and he has since watched all of Ozark and all of Breaking Bad. And I haven't even watched the first episode of season three of Ozark yet. And he changed <laughs> me to no end um, that I got him addicted to to a couple of TV series and I haven't even got caught up to where he can, he and I can discuss Ozark right now so I've, I've made a pledge to him to get that done before the pandemic's over so well, I gotta get started I of course won't spoil it for you but I will say you'll be excited to know there will be a season four there's no question about that with I the saw, way that I had seen where they had already had it renewed again so uh 
you know, it's sometimes with HBO and sometimes with, um, you know, Netflix and Paramount and some of these things, you don't ever know. Uh, Deadwood ended after three seasons. Newsroom ended after three seasons. So that that fourth season is kind of that separator, you know. Can you keep it going, you know, past 30 episodes and, and keep that thing energized and the the people binge watching it. So uh, I've heard it's really good. Zach is – Zach has challenged me that season three of Ozark is better than season uh, five of Breaking Bad. So I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical, but I will try it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll love it. So, well, yeah. coach, it was an honor to have you on again and, and to be, to be a part of uh, the hundredth episode. Yeah. Uh, I've actually, I've been around for about 37 of those. Okay. And so it's, uh, it's been a fun ride and we certainly look forward to more and, and look forward to catching up with you on down the road. Do I get a free oven mint for that? That's from a that's from a great '80s movie. If anybody can, uh, if anybody, we'll use that as a trivia contest. The first person will text y'all when this is airs and tell you what t- what movie that comes from. A free oven mitt. I'll send them a t shirt. <laughs> all right, okay. Yeah, I'm about to say I've I'm gonna have to Google that one myself because well, I. I bet you've yeah. seen the movie. You'll, and yeah. you'll remember the scene. Yeah. It, uh, I, I'll even put a hint out there. It's Steve Martin. So there you go. You can leave oh, okay. Okay, cool. Okay. Awesome. Well, guys, uh, yeah. as always, we thank you so much for listening and uh, and being a part of this for the 100th episode. Uh, as you heard us, myself and Jacob and Porter talk about in segment one and uh, look forward to, to doing 100 more. And thank yeah. you guys so much, as always, for listening. And Coach Mike Neighbors, all of us here at the Hog Talk Podcast. My name's Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.